0: Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges, and this is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Word of God. We're looking at the Bible to see the message that God has given us so that we can be followers of Christ. We can actually follow Christ and do what He says. So we're working our way through 1 John. This is a letter that the Apostle John wrote to a group of churches in the area near Ephesus late in the first century. We are in episode 14. And we're looking today at First John chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. Let's read the passage. John says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Well, he's been talking about those who have left the church. Not just left the church, but left the church as Ones who are causing trouble in the church, teaching false doctrines, teaching untruths about Jesus, about who he was and what he did. And they're actually in active opposition to the gospel right now. He called them antichrists. So he'd been talking about them, and now he shifts. He says, but you. So I'm not talking about the antichrist now. I'm talking about you. Those of you who've remained true to Christ, who remain true to the gospel, who remain true to the revelation that God has given us, but you, he says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. Now this is, uh, well, the the words are important here. You have an anointing. What does that mean? That gets thrown around uh, often in modern usage, but uh, what's what's he referring to here? It's a little a bit of a play on words. Several times he's referred to Jesus as the Christ and, and that's how we understand Jesus. He is the Christ and the word Christ the, the Greek word Christ just means anointed one. The Hebrew word Messiah means anointed one and so if we look through the Old Testament at the whole idea of anointing it carries a religious significance very early in the the old testament we see them anointing things they would have anointing oil in which they would anoint an altar anoint the tent of meeting anoint certain objects that were used in, in their ritual of of worship but more frequently it was used to anoint a person in in the beginning in the law given by moses the priests were anointed specifically the high priest. And the anointing was a religious ceremony to sprinkle oil on this person or to pour oil over this person as a symbol of their being chosen and set aside. Then later, when a king was brought into the picture, the prophet of God would anoint the king to symbolize this is the chosen one to be the leader of God's people. Then there's a period of time in the Bible where the anointing is, it could be either anointing a new prophet, anointing a new priest, or anointing a new king. But through uh, some of the books of the Bible, often in Psalms, there's a reference to, or in some of the latter prophets, there's a reference to the anointed one, or the Lord's anointed. And generally that's referring to the king the king of God's people, the one chosen by God to be the leader of God's people, referred to as the anointed one. But often the prophets would make this look into the future where the the anointed one, that is the Messiah, will come and finally set up the final rule of, of God's people on earth. When John uses the term here and says you have an anointing from the Holy One, He's referred to Jesus as the Christ, that is, the anointed one. Then he refers to these antichrists as those opposed to the anointed one. And then he says, but you guys, you guys who are really followers of Christ, you have an anointing from the Holy One. So he's using the similar terms here. You have the Christ who is the anointed one, the anointed one anointed by God to be the leader of God's people, but you have these antichrists opposed to that Christ, the anointed one. But you guys, you have an anointing because you are connected to the anointed one. And here he refers to the anointed one as the holy one. Now there's some debate, is the holy one referring to the father or to Jesus? you can make a case either way. I think it refers to Jesus. Often God is referred to as the Holy One of Israel, but, but rarely is just the Holy One. But he's referred to Jesus earlier back in the beginning of chapter 2 here in First John. He said, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So I, I think he's using similar language here. And ref- when he says the Holy One, he's referring to Jesus. So you, as opposed to the Antichrist, you have an anointing from the real Christ, from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. You know the truth because of this anointing from the Holy One. You know the truth because the truth comes from God. Part of the issue of these false teachers, these Antichrists, is that they think they have special secret knowledge. And you need to come over to their side, essentially, to, to know the real deal, to know what's really going on, to know the, the really juicy stuff, the, the secret knowledge. And, and this is John's fighting here. He says, no, no, there is no secret knowledge that you get from those people. The true knowledge comes from God. This even harkens back to the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah when Jeremiah prophesied the coming of the new covenant through Christ. In Jeremiah 31, uh, verses 31 to 34, Jeremiah says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke even though I am their master, the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin. Now what's that all saying is Jeremiah's is proclaiming that in this new covenant, which we now know the new covenant in Christ, it's not just based on intellectual knowledge that people teach each other. It comes through a relationship with God through Christ. He says, I will write this truth on their heart And we know that a little more clearly now. The the Holy Spirit guides us. The Holy Spirit teaches us and leads us and and illuminates the Word of God to us. So it's not this secret knowledge we're going to get from the Antichrist, from the false teachers. Truth comes directly from God. The Holy Spirit illuminates things and, and reveals truth to us and helps us to understand the Word of God. Now verse 21 John says, I've not written to you because you don't know the truth, because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. If they already know the truth, why does John need to write this letter? Well, they know the truth of Christ, but they still need some help in living out their faith in the real world. Now, he says, "I, I have not written to you. If we just look through the first chapter, and then what we've already seen in chapter Two, several times he's described why he is writing this letter. He says, we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command. Yet I am writing a new command. I'm writing to you since your sins have been forgiven. I'm writing to you because you've come to know the one who's from the beginning. I'm writing to you because you've conquered the evil one. So through all this, you put this all together, he keeps explaining why he's writing to them. He's writing to them so that they can be followers of Christ. So that they can base their relationship on God through the clear gospel of following Christ. So that they can actually be followers of Christ. He's making that clear. And that truth comes from God. I'm not writing so you can know some more secret knowledge because the knowledge comes from God. The Lord, the knowledge comes via the word of God, and the truth comes directly from God. And they have the truth. Secret knowledge is uh, it's a, a, a popular thing. Uh, many years ago, a, a lady came to me and said uh, that she and, and her son, who, who was being homeschooled at the time, were were studying Greek. And the reason they were doing this was so that they could know what the Bible really says. It was such an odd statement because, one, just on the face of it, that I can take a home Greek study course and I will know uh, Greek so much better than these PhDs who've done Bible translations for, for decades, um, and I'll know what they're really trying to pull over on me is just a, a little ludicrous on the face of it. But the idea that I can't know what the Bible really says unless I know the original languages. You know, if you really do study Greek, and I haven't studied that much. I've had a a couple of classes in in Greek, uh, enough to be able to read some of the literature. But if you look at all the translations that have been translated by all the translation committees over several hundred years now, and you line them all up, they all say the same thing. There's some different use of wording and some different nuances, but generally they all say the same thing. All right, uh, sitting here in front of my computer and I have my Bible software open and I have 10 different English translations open looking at 1 John 2.21. And you have to look very hard to see any difference even in wording. Because they all say the same thing. I'm not writing you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. From the the King James to the New Living Translation and everything in between, they all say the same thing. So we don't have to go searching for secret knowledge so we can know the the inside track, the inside scoop, know what they've been hiding from us all along. The Bible is here and ready and open for any of us to plainly read, but to truly grasp it and take it to the heart, we need the Holy Spirit there. Not to decipher the secrets, but to apply it to our hearts because of our sinful, rebellious nature, we push back from the clear teaching of the gospel, the clear teaching of the Bible. So the the challenge for us is, can we accept the clear message of God's word under the leadership of the Holy Spirit for the purposes of following Christ? Thanks for joining me. Come back and join me next time as we continue working through First John chapter 2